Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Alright everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Teardown and uh, I mean in some ways in some ways on nights like this, Jordan, uh, I'm happy to have a podcast. In some ways I'm like, oh gosh, what are we what are we doing here? My name's Jeff Gluck. I'm writer for the Athletic. This is Jordan Bianchi. We're we're like moments away from just having watched the end of the NASCAR all-star race. Usually we, uh, you know, we, we always record after the race, Jordan, but usually we take our time, digest a little bit of the post-race comments. We watch the winner's press conference. Not this time. We fired it up right away, right in the heat of the emotional moment of what we just saw. How, how's it going there, Jordan? Well, the, the right guy won the race, which is a good thing, but there's all sorts of questions about, did should he have won though? I mean, should NASCAR? It, I mean, take a step back from this. And that yes, Blaney should have won this race. He had this race virtually won everything. A little mistake with the window net, but he also drove the final lap with a partially secured window net, which to me seems like a very big safety hazard. Well, listen, okay, <clears throat> there's so much to unpack here. So obviously, I mean, clearly, clearly NASCAR waived their own rule or ignored their, ignored their own safety rule about the window net being detached. Like, I'm pretty sure, I mean, I, I don't know if this is going out uh, too much of an exaggeration, but 100% of the time since I've been covering NASCAR in the last almost 20 years, if somebody's window net is not attached, it's a black flag, you have to come in. Certainly, if they saw it under caution, which everybody did, that your window not was window net was not secured, in any other circumstance at all, they would have made you come down. Now, NASCAR essentially caused this situation by throwing a completely, completely unnecessary caution on the final lap when Ricky Stenhouse Jr. scrapes the wall and... You know, normally NASCAR, again, almost always holds the caution for incidents on the last lap unless it's a safety, true safety hazard. And they're like, we got to get the safety trucks out there. Stenhouse scraped the wall, kept going. For whatever reason, they decided this was a caution. Um, okay. Like, quick trigger. Yeah, very quick. Very quick. Um, and, you know, they waved the checkered flag. Uh, you know, I get the caution lights are what people go by, not the yellow flag. But, you know, I, I don't know if anything to me, it should have been like, okay, look, this is, this is a mess. And we, we don't want to take the million dollars away from Ryan Blaney by, you know, having him pit for a window net that, you know, everybody thought the race was over. So let's just be reasonable here. Have him come down, do the safety thing, secure the window net. So it's not going to be flapping out on the restart or something like that. Let him maintain his position. It's the all-star race. They've been freezing the field throughout the whole night. Fun. And just, Not a big deal. It, you know, it would have been kind of silly, but I think everybody would have thought that was a fair outcome. It, it's not any different than like if a transponder becomes dislodged from a car, NASCAR will call that car down pit road, fix the transponder. Can't do anything else to the car. And then they can resume the race and they have to go back to their natural position. It's not much different than that. Well, it, it's it's a little bit in that when the transponder falls off, that's not the team's fault. Now, obviously, Blaney put down his window net, but the checkered flag waved. Um, you know, yeah, again, I, I, I put this on NASCAR in the sense that that, that was an unnecessary caution called uh, half a second or whatever before he crossed the finish line. They could have held the caution, okay, for a half a second, and this whole thing would have not have happened. It would have been an issue at all. Um, their rule is that the race has to finish under green. 
et cetera, et cetera. That's obviously not a normal rule because you normally when you take the white flag and the caution comes out, that's the end. So again, this was a special circumstance of NASCAR rules. So it would have been okay, I think, under your comparison with the transponder thing to view it under that. And I don't think fans and competitors would have been upset. However, you know, the way that they ended up doing it, they're just like, ah, you know what? Yeah, just jam it back in there. It's not secure. Clearly, it's not secure. And that's unacceptable because we saw earlier in this race a horrific crash into turn one where cars collided, which was one of the scariest ones we've seen in a while in Texas. And imagine if something similar like that happens on a restart where they're bunched together and it's really easy to get clipped. And Blaney gets into a crash and that window net's not secured and somebody hits him. Well, I guess the other thing is, you know, he had jammed it back in there. It wasn't secure. Let's say it flaps out and is start, you know, it's it's not going to flap around totally like, you know, in the wind, like a piece of plastic, but you know, it could get kind of loose and go all over the place or something. Um, I don't know. It's just, it wasn't safe. You know what NASCAR rules say is defined as safe and uh, they let it go. And NASCAR is always emphasizing safety, safety, safety. In fact, I assume that they thought the caution at the end was for safety. So they call it for that, you know, but they're so concerned about that to, to spoil the end of the race, essentially. Anyway, I just, the whole, this, this whole thing, I mean, the whole, even, even before this, I wasn't, I wasn't going to be so happy with this race, obviously. Right. Um, and this just was the cherry on top of an event that is tired, um, is well beyond its, its years in many ways, badly in need of a refresh at a track that is badly in need of something different. Um, a format that needs to be way more interesting. Uh, I mean, I, I hate, I, I, and I'm being serious about this. I truly hate to come on here and just be so negative because I always feel bad about myself when I'm negative and people, then some listeners, you know, they get mad and say, I'm a whiner. Oh, you hate the sport. Why do you do this? Why are you even talking about this? But damn, I mean, it was hard to find a lot of redeeming value out of this one. Name something positive from tonight's race. Besides, if you're not a Ryan Blaney fan. um, That you have to think about it. That long tells you everything you need to know. This well, thing, I'm, I'm going to come up with something. <laughs> that's fine. We'll get back to it. We've talked all year long. We talked about this last week on the podcast. We actually said we're actually kind of looking forward to Texas because this new car has done really well on these kind of tracks. Could this car be the saving grace for Texas? Like this, all of a sudden, Texas had hope. Well, this new car did nothing at Texas differently than what the old car did. This race was terrible. There was. Very little passing. Guys couldn't race side by side. The track is ruined with whatever chemical compounds they put on there each work, each weekend. It, 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 there's nothing redeeming about this venue. It, nothing. Whether it's a points race or an exhibition race or whatever, that you cannot continue to race there in these conditions. You either have to figure out the surface and, and do something different and make it work or blow the whole damn thing up and, and do a reconfiguration or throw up your hands and say, we just can't go back there anymore. One, one of those three options. That's it. It's it's such a tough situation, right? Because some of these other tracks this year, as you've said, we, you know, we, we thought, you know, like Dover, for instance, right? We were like, ah, you know, Dover's, mm. you know, Fontana had had its share of issues, yeah. Vegas. And the new car made all those places look good. And then so we go, well, you know what? Maybe it's not these tracks. It's not the tracks. It's it's the the way the packages worked or the car or the tire or whatever. And, and maybe there's a way to figure this out. I don't know that Texas, I don't know there's any redeeming Texas. I mean, um, IndyCar had a decent race there, uh, earlier this year. That was a surprisingly good race, but you know, before that though, they hadn't though. They've had a, they had a long, that's why everybody was surprised. Yeah. Everybody was surprised. They had a good one, but I just, this, this track, I mean, I don't know whether you, you reconfigure it again into a different type of mile and a half or you make it into a short track or you just don't go back. But I mean, you need to be in the Dallas market. I mean, this, this race used to be sold out. I mean, this was a mega event with routinely 
well over 150,000 people for years and years and years. Yeah. Um, they couldn't wait to get a second race. I mean, there was a, the, the whole point of this lawsuit, the Furco shareholder lawsuit back in the day, um, you know, th- was to get a, a second Texas race. Uh, you know, Bruton Smith trying to convince NASCAR because there was such a demand for it. I mean, this, I, I don't know that it's worth just giving up on the place, uh, but in its current state, I don't see at the same time how you can go back for, for anything, all-star race, any kind of race. Cause it's just, it's not good. And it's routinely consistently. I mean, we've talked about it over and over, you know, the worst track in NASCAR and, um, to have the all-star race there and think that's going to change things. And then, well, maybe this format's going to change things. No. How? I mean, a 50 I, lap I, run at the end. I watched okay. this entire thing tonight. I usually have a really good understanding of the format. I purposely went into this night. Like I looked at the format. I'm like, you know what? I can't, I'm just going to let it run. I'm just going to, Try to, you know, you can't. This format was too wonky. There was too confusing. If you're watching with a casual fan, do they have any clue what the hell was going on? No. They were watching this going WTF, you know? Yeah. I mean, there was that moment there in between stage two and three. And I guess, you know, when I read the format, I was kind of vaguely aware that the pit stop would take one of the positions or whatever. Mm hmm. And I guess for whatever reason, I thought, you know, in my mind, like fastest pit stop, that was going to be whoever comes off pit road first or whatever in that situation would get that spot. I, I don't know why. I, I guess I wasn't, it hadn't sunk in or whatever. So then when Joey Logano comes off like 11th or whatever, and his pit crew celebrating and they're like, yeah, we just clinched one of the top three spots for the final restart or whatever. You're like, oh yeah. Okay. That's, that was interesting. I mean, but yeah, if like. I guess I, I say that because you're the casual fan type aspect. I mean, how confusing is that? It's ridiculous. Like, oh yeah. So then the guy that comes off 10th, so he just clinched a spot. Um, as where he'll long start as he finishes the... 15th or better though. And he right. Doesn't... But the guy that came off first just now, William Byron, he's no, he did not clinch. No, anything. no, 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 yeah. no. Um, <laughs> and then, oh yeah. You know, the other guy, yeah, like, now Logano's, you know, he's faded to 11th and yeah, like you say, he's got to finish in the top 15. So he might not be able to get that spot. Well, then who gets it? Well, then they just move everybody else up. Well, and then we might have a caution at the end. We're going to have a caution. If there's not a natural caution, we're going to throw a caution, but we're not going to tell you when it's going to be a big surprise. No, no. I think it was supposed to be at lap 25 unless there was a natural caution. Yeah, but there was like a, no, there was like a window though of when they could throw the caution. It wasn't like, it was like a six lap window or something like that. Oh, I thought it was going to be halfway through. Okay, well, whatever. Anyway. Exactly. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so you're like, okay, yeah, they're just going to throw one because they're going to throw one. And, uh, I mean, I, I just would love to be in one of these meetings where they come up with these formats and they're bouncing ideas off each other with all the possibilities out there. And this was all the one the they settled on. <laughs> like, how? How does that happen? I mean, you know, I, I saw, I think it was... Um, I can't remember who tweeted it. I'm really sorry. I think it was NASCAR man RR maybe who does the his, historical tweets. Yeah. Great ball. He had, he had put some, was it him who put like a, a old tweet from, um, yeah, it was him. Or a clipping from an old, an old all-star thing. Where yeah, they, it, was like, the, the, yep. it was the inaugural well, all-star rate, inaugural Winston from 1985. And it was, is that we need to differentiate this race from every other points race. And it has to be different from the exhibition class. And what they said, exactly. the, the leader, we're, I'm sorry, we're going to give the guy, we're going to give the driver who won the most wins the year before the option of throwing two cautions at their discretion whenever they want. Yeah. Well, and so I, you know, I don't, I don't like that. And I'm glad they didn't do that. Cause that, that's a little bit silly, even for really, cause modern we're, times, we're not I that think. far away from that right no, now. No, 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 I get that. that well, there's a lot of sad silly. to me at all. <laughs> But no, but but what but what I was referencing was the second part of the of the tweet of the newspaper clipping um, or whatever, which you mentioned, was that we have to differentiate this race from every other race. We have to make it totally different with different rules and even different than the clash, so that it will be you know fresh and interesting. And for a while, I mean, when I first got into NASCAR, there they did have those elements because um, when I was first into it, there was no. Um, you know, double file restarts. And no that was segments. a special thing about the all-star no stages. Right. And this, yep. so having segments was a big thing. Um, you know, things like that. Uh, no, you know, I think even green, white checkers. Yeah, exactly. Uh, though that was a unique thing to the all-star race. So those were all innovations that they sort of 
that came in through the all-star race, they tried those and they said, you know what, let's put those in the races. Well, now you've gotten to the point where the all-star race pretty much looks like every other race, except for these minor little confusing tweaks that don't even really make any sense anyway. And you really, there's, there's a zillion creative ideas out there. Like there really is. I mean, you just look on Twitter and, and, you know, again, we've said it a million times, everybody has their own format and you could get very creative with it, very outside the box. And I think people would, I don't think people would be that mad about getting, you know, unorthodox something because you expect it out of this race, but you, and you almost have to have it because how is this race watchable or unique or interesting at all without it? And it wasn't, it was a terrible race for the most part. And I, I mean, I just, I'm, most part, I feel bad saying that you're couching uh, it. It was a brutal, right? This was, I mean, I, I I'm going to tell you what, I mean, we were texting about this between the race. This is going to be the worst rated uh, race in, in the history of the, you know, was it a good race poll? I, I'm convinced of that. I don't think so. I don't think so. Are you kidding me? You think it, you think it'll be that bad? 17% was the lowest. I said this before. The, the the thing with Blaney. I was saying this yeah. before. And then you factor in all of that? Oh, kid, are you kidding me? I actually, yes. <laughs> I think if they had made him, if they had black flagged him and made him pit and taken the million away from him and then had them restart and, and Denny won instead or something, I think that, that would have made it the worst race ever. That would have put it in single digits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, you're not counting, you know, the bots or whatever inflating uh, the poll or, or whatever happens at times. Who knows? But um, I, I do think it'll be quite low, obviously. But the worst, I mean, there's that that Brickyard race or whatever that was that was, uh, I don't know, 2016 Brickyard or something sure. that was the worst ever. And there was another all-star race at Charlotte. 2018. Yeah. And that was like was the looking, second lowest. I was looking at the list as you <laughs> Yeah. I don't know, but yeah. So this, you know, expectations were low, very low. For this. Anytime somehow, you go to Texas, they got to be low. Somehow it was even worse. You know, things are supposed um, to be bigger in Texas. Well, that usually that's supposed to apply to how bad the race is, and apparently that's true because it, this race was brutal. And race uh, at Texas, we had, that's the problem is we talk about Texas is you like you have this expectation of oh my god they're going to Texas this is just going to be bad and this like. This didn't even come close. Like it was even worse than that. <sighs> I, you know, I, I, I don't know how much of this is is like the raw uh, emotion of this, and you know, I, I will say this. It, I, I, I think that I'm a little bit more confident in how I feel about this, and not just reacting in the moment, just because of we've, we've felt like this for a long time. And we, you know, even our, our, our Twitter listener, uh, Tucker white pointed out, uh, on Twitter during the race that after the clash, um, at the Coliseum this year on our post-race podcast, then we said, you know, this, this race, the success of this race in a stadium, uh, means that there should never be a, an intermediate track, uh, all-star race again. I, I, you know, I, I would kind of almost back off on that a little bit in the sense that, I think now that the intermediate tracks look pretty good, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that, you know, if it was the right format and the right track, AKA anything other than Texas, um, I think, no, you, you could actually, I think there's some salvaging of this event. There's this, of this race. I mean, I just go back to the clash for instance itself. The clash had become very boring and dry at Daytona and, and was just kind of dumb and, and worthless. And they were able to take that and, inject some serious life into it. And for me, like the clash, that was one of my highlights of the season so far, like being at that race, that was one of the most fun things I've gotten to experience in all my time covering NASCAR, just the energy that was there. That's what an all-star race is supposed to be We said it then and I'll say it now. That's exactly what an all-star race is supposed to be. It's supposed to feel unique and special and kind of a little bit different than what normal is. And you've got the celebrities there. And that was everything. That is what all story should be. And I don't know how you can look at that race and then compare it to this and go and not think, what the hell are we doing here? Well, that's right. And so, but there, but I guess my point is there is some, there is a way to salvage it. You don't just have to say, you know what, let's just not do an all-star race anymore. Let's give up on this or let's give up on that. Um, I'm sure the teams would love another off week. And this race does feel kind of pointless in its current state, but there's a lot of creative people in this industry and a lot of outside the box thinkers and I really think that if they got people together and said, let's, let's really, 
let's do something with this. Clearly not what we saw tonight. And we knew that we feel felt like that going in. We were optimistic that maybe Texas was somehow going to be saved and turn out that way. But the all-star race, I mean, the format in general, we weren't crazy about it. Um, I just feel like there's got to be something you can do. That can fix this. You can fix this race in like three easy moves. It's really not complicated. Okay. Put it on a short. What is it? Uh, put it on a short. Uh, here's my here's my format. And I'm not gonna. Here's what I do. I'd move it to Nashville, uh, the fairgrounds. I do. I'd move it to the end of the season, and I would take all of the playoff drivers and all of the race winners throughout the season. And so you'd have like 20ish drivers thereabouts, right? And we're gonna have a hundred lap race straight race no segments we're gonna do a halfway break and lap 50 change tires boom done i people would love that love it everybody would love it and you do it as part of like the banquet week exactly so you so you have people come out for the banquet the season's already over so it's not going to change anything I, i like that i like that i mean i i still think I mean, I think there could be even more interesting formats. Sure. I just don't just line them up and race. I just don't want, but, but I will say this about the format though. We talk all the time how this race needs to be different than other points. Races having a pretty much a straight race. That is different from other point races. Cause we're getting rid of segments. Well, that's true. I mean, <laughs> going back to the yeah. old school type, yeah. well, you old can make it an it. old school race. Yeah. So, I think that'd be, I think that easy done. You don't tell me that people wouldn't go crazy for that. Obviously, you know, I guess I'll, I'll stump for my idea one more time, even though people have already heard it and I feel like I'm beating it to death, but, um, I think you could do this at any track, especially an intermediate, um, not Texas, but, um, (laughs) like, let's say you had this at, I don't know, even, even Vegas or, uh, Nashville super speedway, say if you wanted to stick with the Nashville team or whatever, right? Homestead would be, yeah, that'd be very interesting. But, um, so yeah. So what you do is you have a hundred laps, no stages, um, no breaks or whatever. And, uh, you have whatever, however many cars and every, uh, five laps, you eliminate the lowest running car. They have to pull off the track. Caution laps don't count. So you wouldn't be doing that under caution, but it would be every five green flag laps. Um, whoever's last pulls off the track, you wouldn't worry about the leader running away with it or having a huge advantage and things like that because it would be like, well, we were focused on last place. Oh, look, 21st place and 22nd place. They're battling. Oh my gosh. Like who's going to be eliminated. Oh, that guy's got to go home. Okay. And then you get down to final four drivers. Um, you throw a caution with however many laps to go, however many laps that is, whatever line them up, uh, you know, do a pit stop. So the, the, the you get the pit crews involved because the, whoever's the fastest pit stop, whatever, they're going to come off one, two, three, four. And you do a, a overtime two lap shootout with just those four cars. They probably wreck each other or something, and you know, beat and bang side by side finish. And that's your all star race for a million dollars. So it'd be like sort of a Royal Rumble of NASCAR. That's my idea. But again, um, like there's many more formats out there that are probably even better than that. I mean, short tracks all over the country have come up with interesting and unique formats with inversions and heats and all that stuff. Sure. And they make it interesting for people every Saturday night all over the country. I bet Clint Boyer. Um, could sit in with the Fox people and come up with something like that. He knows short tracks. So anyway, yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know. You just sit there and watch this and just go, man, what, why, what, why is this a thing? You know, <laughs> it feels like we have this conversation every year and it's just, and it's actually gotten worse. And the idea of moving it to Texas never made sense. I understand politically behind the scenes why it happened, but you're not going to have the race you want to have. It's not a good track. It's the antithesis of what NASCAR should be. It's it's dumbfounded to to continue to have this race there. Okay. So let's talk about in, in realistic terms, um, how do you know, like, okay, so this is an SMI race. If you're going to say, or we can't have it at Texas anymore. If NASCAR is going to say, no, we're not doing this, not doing this. Then what do you do? Uh, because you, you in theory have to move it to another SMI track, or that would be how it's gone in the past or give them another date. So what do you do with it? Which, which track do you go to? What do you do with Texas? So it's got to be an SMI track. I mean, the only option, honestly, is, is Bristol. 
and that would give you another Bristol paved Bristol race. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. I'll, I would be, or, you know, it goes back to what I said too. As SMI or speed, I guess it's not SMI anymore. Speedway Motorsports is, is trying to work a deal with the Nashville fairgrounds, right? That works. That's perfect. It gets you to a short track. It gets you into a great market. It gets you into a venue that doesn't have a, a, currently a cup date. Why not there? And, and I can't believe I'm going to say this because I know we've talked about this before. But let's presume that whatever is going on at North Wilkesboro is going to be successful. And they're going to figure that out and they're going to have it. They're going to kind of get it up to a level. As Marcus Smith said, they can host a, a truck series race, right? They're not going to have the infrastructure to host a cup series race, they said. But why not figure out a way to do the all-star race there? I think that a possible potentially reasonable solution might be to move it to Atlanta. Uh, sure. Then, cause I don't think I don't, I don't love having the, the two super speedway type points races at Atlanta, but if one of them was the all-star race, that might be, um, a little bit more tolerable maybe. Um, now I don't know what you do with the other, the extra date there, you know, maybe, uh, you know, Nashville probably comes into play. I, I don't know, but, um, I, you know, you, unfortunately you have to have somewhere to move it to, uh, unless NASCAR wants to give up one of their races somewhere. Um, you know, because, you know, I'm sure they'd love to have it in a stadium, but then who gets to promote that and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's, that's going too far down the details of it and things can be worked out, but I'm just trying to, people get mad sometimes when you say, well, you just, if you just complain and don't offer solutions, but we got to come up with some idea of where to take it if you're not going to take it to Texas, but it, it clearly, they can't go back there next year. Now, what, what bothers me is, and and this doesn't mean anything, but I got a tweet from fans who were there, uh, some direct messages from fans who were there that said um, over the PA system, they were advertising uh, tickets for the 2023 also race at Texas. So I wasn't there. I can't confirm that. Didn't hear that myself, but um, two different fans DM that to me uh, who don't seem to be related. So at some point during the weekend, they said that now that doesn't mean they can't just give them a refund and say, here's, you can have it for the other text race or we're not going to do this here. But at some point they said that they were trying to sell them. So uh, I hope that's not the case. Cause I just, I think there's obviously a lot that can be done. I don't see how you can go back there after tonight and to your audience and in a market too where you're already struggling to sell tickets and to have an impact how you can go back there and say hey you know come buy a ticket and watch this it it doesn't seem feasible to me yeah um what else uh do you want to unpack from i I feel like we kind of glossed over the uh the finish quickly um let's uh let's let's talk about um a Denny Hamlin's tweet that came out while we, we are already started the podcast. He said, never should have been a yellow in the first place. We agree. They put Blaney in the situation he was in. We agree okay. to make up for it. They let him break a rule. Agree on that. Two wrongs. Don't make a right. Blaney W NASCAR L <laughs> gotta love Denny. The team owner feeling so much more free to speak out now than he did when he was just a driver. <laughs> he's not wrong. I mean, he just basically summed up the first half of this podcast. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it sounds like we're on the right track with, um, you know, and, and here's another tweet. Um, Dale Earnhardt Jr. NASCAR is gladly going to let you debate the window net. So as long as you don't reflect on how ridiculous that yellow flag situation was as Blaney was crossing the finish line to win. So, yeah, Dale had some good tweets tonight. He was not a fan of the on track racing. product. No, he said stage one was about as exciting as a rice cake. Which I felt was bad to rice cakes. Rice cakes aren't bad, actually. You get, you know, well, you, you can get, get the flavored, flavored kinds. First of all, you could yeah. get like a chocolate rice cake, or you could put peanut butter or something yeah, on rice cakes. Yeah, absolutely. Plain rice cake would probably be more accurate. But yes, I, I agree. I yeah. agree. Yes, Dale. Um, Carson Hosevar with a good point, too, in my opinion. Sports are known for some of the greatest stories that you couldn't write. Why? And that's why you can't try and orchestrate it. Fans will smell artificial and be turned away. And I think that's a fitting theme as well for really, I mean, much of this weekend. I mean, I even go back to the qualifying format. Um, you know, they had an NHRA type 
Christmas tree with the car staged at the end of pit road. Um, a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader would hold up a sign and walk away like in Supercross, uh, like the the sign girl or whatever. And with the countdown, they'd launch in there. And I guess they thought that they were going to be able to come off pit road side by side and, you know, beat and bang all the way to the finish line. But in reality, whoever had any sort of a lead leaving pit road at all um, was immediately the winner. I mean, they just finished their lap and sped away. Um, you know, the, the qualifying format, I, I, I get what they probably wanted to try to do, but that, if you want to have a pit crew competition, just have a pit crew competition Do it like you said yesterday, do it in the fan zone. If you want to have a pit crew competition, but to try to incorporate it into the qualifying, I think the fans were kind of actually perfectly happy with the qualifying how it was where they have no speed limit on pit road and they have to come down and try to break. And then the pit crews are involved that way. People kind of liked that format. Like that was kind of putting it on the edge. It was different. It was fun. And it involved the driver more. And I think that was one of the elements that was missing from this was, you know, the, the key on pit road is, is how, how a driver can get down to a certain speed right away. There was none of that. Cause it was like, you just shoot four real quick, stop your pit stall. And it was all about the pit stop. If you're going to do something like this, is I want to see drivers come onto pit road as fast as they can, and then hit that line. And then they got to get down to you know 50 miles an hour and then come into their pit stall. And that's just the, the way they did it negated all of this. And as you said, Jeff, you're right. Once you leave pit road, it, there was no making up any deficit. There was, you know, guys, a lot of times weren't even having to push it because they were so far ahead. Yeah. I mean, again, there's, there's many ways you could do that format. Um, I mean, Hey, you, you wrote an entire story on the athletic this week where you talked to what 13 different drivers and you had all their yeah. ideas of, you know, what to do with this race and formats. And I mean, just, I think it's worth listening to some of these ideas. Um, sometimes it feels like, uh, you know, the powers that be or what, go ahead. I got an idea. So every year at the masters, they have, they let the defending champion select the meal for, you know, that everybody's going to get together and they pour. How about this? The, the, the perk of winning the cup series championship is you get to pick the format for the all-star race. So Kyle Larson wins the championship and they're like, Ooh, what's Kyle going to pick? Are we going to a dirt track kind of thing? You know, just something different. I really like that. That's a, that's a brilliant idea because it would show, it would actually go back to various people's backgrounds too. So like if, if somebody came up on like a pavement short track thing, um, maybe they would go choose for like an inversion or Kyle Larson might say, Oh, there, there could be like a, a pole draw and a pole dash yeah. or something, or maybe like the, the chili bowl format where they go head to head to try to do the pole, uh, the, uh, pole shuffle kind of thing, whatever it's called. Um, yeah. And that would show the flavor of that person. And, uh, you know, and if it sucked, it would be on them, you know, exactly. That's the other thing too. NASCAR could just drop a tangent. Like, Not our fault. We had nothing to do with this. one. Yeah. They could tell, you know, they could work with the driver and say, this is about how long we want it to be. This is the TV window. Um, you, this is where it's going to be. This is where the race is going to be. You come up with the format, um, or the, or the, even the, uh, previous all-star race winner, could get to pick the next sure. all-star race winner format or something that could be part of the prize. Um, and you know, they, they could hype it almost a year in advance. They could come up with it and say, all right, you know, I'm going to announce it in a month and everybody will get hyped up for it all year or something. Yeah. There's again, there's, there's so many things to do and that's why it's so frustrating to say, this is what they're doing with all the un there's unlimited, like literally unlimited ideas. You was it Tyler Reddick who said, you could take all the downforce off the cars. Yeah. Like just complete. I mean, so that would be crazy. People would watch that. Right. I mean, take off the, take off everything that, that makes it stick to the ground and just see how it goes. I mean, good luck boy. Yeah. I mean, that would be crazy. Right. I mean, it'd be fun to watch and it'd be absolutely an all-star race because it would be the ultimate driver skill and driver talent to try to beat everybody doing that, that kind of thing. Or, I mean, I mean, you could do heat races or if it was a short track, you could do, you could go backwards. I don't know. Something other than this would be a great start. So I think it's just not at Texas. Yeah. I think we've, we've beaten this into the ground. I, I don't know what else there's to say about this. Um, I, I don't know. You want to keep talking about it? No, I mean, I can keep hammering Texas all night long, <laughs> but we can move over. I mean, it's just, it's the worst track in NASCAR. It's not even close. Well, we're, we're going to miss, um, uh, it won't be included in this podcast, but Scott Miller from NASCAR occasionally a few times a year 
They will make a, a NASCAR executive available after the race, usually either when things go really, really good or <laughs> really, really bad. Um, I can think of a, like Scott Miller spoke at CODA last year after the rain uh, yeah. debacle incident uh, where they kept the race going and nobody could see. And he basically said, we screwed up. So obviously he's going to address uh, the reporters there in Texas, I guess. And um, we'll see what he has to say. Unfortunately, again, that what we, I mean, we are like literally the winner hasn't even come to the media center yet. And we're recording this podcast. So um, more to come. I'm sure tune into uh, all your favorite podcasts, Serious XM. This is going to be the talk all week. Nobody's going to be talking about the Coke 600 because it's going to be people mad about the all-star race. I take this back. I asked you earlier at the beginning of the show, like if you like watching this race, who was excited by, but beyond a, a Ryan Blaney fan? The answer is serious. Serious XM. Got material, <laughs> they got material all week long. Every host. Be, Although they're going to be so tired of talking about it. Now running his hands together going, yeah, we're yeah. good to go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, actually, serious. Uh, they quote tweeted Hamlin's tweet that I read earlier, and they put one eight six six pit lane. <laughs> Told you, <laughs> they're loving it. <laughs> Daniel Norwood is all over it, and uh, rightfully so. Rightfully so, it's going to get people talking. Um, anyway, by the way, Marcus Smith had tweeted uh, just a few days ago that one of the great things about this format was that it was so simple. Um, so I don't think that is well in particular but let's check and see if that tweets up in a couple days yeah hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Well, there's a couple other things to talk about uh, before we move on. And uh, I mean, there was a quite interesting F1 race in Spain earlier today and Indy 500 pole qualifying, uh, which you pick. Which one do you want to talk about first? Let's start with, let's go, let's just go in chronological order. Let's start with Formula One. All right. Formula One, they're in Spain and, uh, you know, Spain, not a track known for the most passing. Um, but this was a very interesting race where it looks like, you know, we were saying, oh, you know, Red Bull had been quicker in the races lately. Um, and it, it looked like Ferrari, I mean, Charles Leclerc, uh, he was off to, a, he looked like he was going to roll to a nice win and, and you know, kind of get some momentum back. Then his power unit fails, loses power, whatever. And, uh, he's off. Um, Max Verstappen had to come up cause he went off in the gravel. Uh, there was interesting moment there where, you know, Checo was he, he, earlier in the race. Verstappen couldn't pass George Russell and Checo was coming up and said, Hey, let me through. Cause I think I can, I'm faster right now. And he was, but he had the DRS. He didn't have the DRS DRS issue either with the flap. Yes, Max couldn't couldn't yep. keep the DRS open when he was trying to pass George. But he was he was coming up faster. I think he had made a pit stop, and uh, but they they didn't let him through. Um, and then uh, later they told him to move over when Max was coming through uh, at the end. So um, Checo said that's not fair, but you know, good for the team. And ultimately, I mean, he was on way older tires, so it wouldn't have lasted anyway, but they didn't give him a chance to fight. Um, so that was kind of interesting. Another interesting wrinkle about F1 was, um, Lewis Hamilton, uh, you know, he collided with Kevin Magnuson, you know, right away in the race. And it looked like his day was going to be screwed. And he even talked about, Oh, you know, maybe we should just save this engine, he retire the car. Yeah. I mean, he was in 19th place. I think he was like it's 50 like, seconds let's back. Just, let's just go home boys. Let's be traffic. Yeah, he really was. And, uh, he comes back and looked like he was going to finish fourth, ends up finishing, finishing fifth. Cause they told him he needed to back off losing water at the end there, but huge gain for 
Mercedes this weekend, George Russell with a podium. Um, so a lot of interesting things happening. What was your take on, on all those things? Well, um, this is really Ferrari's first big bumble this year where they had something that wasn't driver error. That's a mechanical issue. And you're not going to go throughout the season without having something like this happen. We've seen now twice with Verstappen. Ferrari had their first, and it swings the championship. And the point, point, important note there is that Verstappen is now the points leader. And the, the big lead that Charles had is gone, and now they're going to play on their back foot. It's going to be interesting to see how they respond from this. And the dynamics within Red Bull, you know, do, do you let – Perez go? Do, do you do you let Verstappen go? How, how do you handle that? I mean, to me, it's pretty clear cut. I mean, Verstappen's your number one driver. He's in the world championship fight. Your best opportunity to win the world championship is to is cater to him. They did the right thing, and it's to me, it's like it's much ado about nothing. All you got to do is look at the fact that the driver standings. It's it's a clear cut two man race, and the guy who was the championship leader coming in is behind the wall. We, we've got to go and get every point we can get. They did the right thing. Yeah, no, I can understand that. Um, so I guess the question now is Max has taken over the points lead. Will anybody else, namely Leclerc, ever get it back? Or is this is Max going to now run away with it? I, I don't know. I mean, the, the reliability things that we've seen from Red Bull, it, they seem like they've kind of moved past that. But we go to Monaco next, and you know how that is. It's a, it's a tough track. A lot of things can happen there. It's just going to take one more DNF in the next few weeks for that, the point standings to, to likely flip again. I don't think this championship is over by any means. It certainly seems like Max is in control. And if the car stays intact and he stays on the track, I, I think this is going to be his championship and he's going to pull away eventually. But I'm not ready to concede it over yet. Do you think Mercedes can get back in it in either the constructors or somehow the driver's championship? Let's say, let's say they really have made gains and let's say they're – I mean, you said – I mean, not to bring your words back to you, Lewis Hamilton had a fork in his back. Okay, I was kind of saying that tongue in cheek, by the way. But yeah. you were not. No, don't backtrack. I, I do think he's. You said I, he again, would never win again. Fork in his back. I, I just want to point out again, his teammate again outqualified him and outperformed him in the race. Okay, so I've given you no chance here. Do you do you want to revise that? Do you think that they can? It, think do you think he's going to win a race? Is he going to win a race this year, Lewis Hamilton? I think I think Hamilton and Russell probably win a race this year. Okay, so this changed your mind. They had. I was impressed by what they saw this weekend. This was a big weekend, and we we kind of thought this was going to be the case going into Miami. Oh, hey, they made these some adjustments and they've kind of figured things out. And then Miami was Miami. This was encouraging, and it, the, 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 we kind of kind of add, we got to add though, both Ferraris DNF'd. So you know, taking into account that if the, those Ferraris finish the race, they're likely going to ha- finish ahead of Mercedes, which means Russell's off the podium. And, you know, Lewis is finishing seventh. They, they had speed in their race cars. They look good. I, w- I was encouraged by this. It's really hard, though, to close that gap between the the top of the midfield, which is where Mercedes is running right now, to the top, you know, two spots. That's a really big gap to close. I don't think they have it in them to close that. I think there's, there's an opportunity there for them to win a race or two along the way. But the, for the, they think they're going to get back in the championship. That, that just That's unfeasible. Well, I'll tell you what, even if they don't get back in the championship, I would be thrilled just as someone who covers it and watches it regularly to have a potential three-team battle where every week there's six drivers essentially who could, you know, fill the podium and run up front as opposed to just one or two teams. Um, So if Mercedes can make enough gains to even, uh, you know, win a race or two and, you know, be up there with Ferrari one week or up there with Red Bull one week. Um, you know, Hey, that's, uh, that's great. I I think that would be a very welcome thing. So, um, anyway, uh, yeah. Interesting. I, I I don't think that, um, I don't think Monaco's going to be great. Uh, you know, I, I think it would be nice if Leclerc could finally, exercises demons there and, and get some redemption for last year. Obviously when he, uh, do you remember last year he crashed yeah. at the um, end of his qualifying and then he was, um, on the pole. he was on the pole and then they didn't, you know, check over the car well enough, I guess. And mm-hmm. then right before they starts the race the next morning, uh, he has to retire the car crushed. No, it was in a his very, hometown. it was a very Ferrari moment. It was far. Yes. Ferrari. Yes. As you like to say, and people <laughs> were tweeting all day today, 
that, that, as, as Jordan Bianchi, as Jordan Bianchi says. <laughs> yeah, I'm giving Ferrari a little bit of the benefit of the doubt today. Like they had the fast car, they were doing everything right, and it's just I mean you're going to have mechanical failures. You just you're never going to build a bulletproof car. So trying to you know well this wasn't like complete incompetence on their part. It's just these things happen. Yeah. Um, let's talk about IndyCar, but before we do, uh, as, as things are developing here in our sort of live post-race show, Ryan Blaney is now in the media center and he says of the window net that NASCAR deemed it safe on the backstretch coming to the green because it was up and safe. How would NASCAR know that? Well, I, I, I don't know, but I don't, I don't agree. I guess that it was up and safe because it wasn't latched. Um, Dustin Long had tweeted, a little while ago, um, all like the things that the window not net cannot be is, is according to the rule book. Um, like it cannot be, uh, bunched up. It cannot be like, I, I can't find the exact tweet, but, um, basically it, it has to be latched. It has to be secured. Um, so I get why Blaney wouldn't want to throw them under the bus, but I, I it looked like it was just wedged in there. Not, uh, not secured, but that's fine. That's fine. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, so Indy 500 qualifying was one of the most thrilling things, uh, I've watched in a while. Uh, the speeds were way higher and, uh, in fact, record breaking, um, really rivaling the 1996, uh, qualifying session, I guess. And, uh, just, I mean, wow. Seeing those guys on the limit and seeing guys get out of their cars, like Scott Dixon saying, you know, act like his hands were shaking afterwards. Roman Grosjean, who is survived a fire near-death experience in an F1 car getting out and saying that was scary. Um, I mean, putting those, those, I mean, that is truly like the most difficult thing to do, uh, in motorsports. It feels like, um, Nate Ryan, I, I believe said that somewhere and, and I agree with him. Um, so it's just, um, I mean, that, that was just amazing to watch the town of those guys, the guts and the courage putting it all out there for those four laps. And seeing all the interviews were like, you know, the race is fine. You know, you kind of know what do the race, but whoa, qualifying, that's hard. Um, man, that was just, was that, that was like why you love motorsports. You know what yeah. I mean? It, it was a true test of, of, like you said, it was bravery of guys pushing it to the, to, to that limit. And sometimes it looked like they were going to overstep. Um, and it's, it's really hard sometimes when you watch motorsports to, to really truly appreciate what drivers are doing and how far they're pushing it. And that was not the case today. Like you could physically see that. And that was as drama filled a qualifying session as I remember. And I kept thinking about this today is that I always get a little, I love Indianapolis 500. I love history. I'm a traditionalist. And I still, it still bothers me that the Indy 500 doesn't have bump day. Like it traditionally used to when you had six, you know, well, 50, 60 cars, whatever it was competing for 33 spots. It's just ungodly number of cars trying to get into this field. And I, I miss that. And that's from a bygone era, but that's what I grew up with. And that's what I enjoyed seeing where qualifying really mattered. But not once today did I ever think about that. Like, oh man, this is supposed to be bump day. And we're missing that. Like, no, because the drama that bump day was, was now transferred to the pole. And it was incredible. And I think that says a lot about this format and what they were able to do where it didn't make you wish for something that is never probably going to come back. It made you appreciate what was happening now. That's a great point and very well said. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was one of those things where you're like, ah, how's this going to work? Um, and I think it worked great. It, it, you know, obviously I'm sure those guys, um, where it was a rain shortened session on Saturday would have wished they would have gotten some more runs, but that was the weather's fault, not the format's fault. Um, but they still got, at least one run in to, to try it. And then, uh, there was a lot of drama leading up to it. I mean, Jimmy Johnson hanging it all out there and, and the save he had to make, uh, it's unfortunate because all his teammates were up, uh, in the fast six and he clearly would have been up there. I mean, he had the car to do it based on practice. He probably would have been able to start on the front row had he been able to put it all together. Um, but still he's going to be a big story. I mean, he could legit win the Indy 500 next weekend. And that is, uh, you think, that's amazing. You, I mean, it's legit though. There, I mean, do you think legit he can win that race? I think he can win it. I I truly think he can win. Okay. Yes. I, I'm not. I mean, yeah. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't be so. I, 
I just I, I like if I was gonna rank my guys, like I could probably think of ten guys I put before. Okay, well, that's fair. I'm not saying he's the favorite. No, I just. But can he win it? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, mean, I think he can. I feel like I, I really. I could feel like I could make yeah. that case for just about. I won't say everybody in the field, but a large a, a large majority of the field. I feel like I could make that case for. Would you put him in your top fifteen? I'd have to look. I mean, I. So what? Twelve guys. Uh, no, I wouldn't actually. I'm thinking about, I was, really? I was trying to think of the guys who qualified today in the top 12. He has one of the fastest cars in the field. To me, it's experience. He is, he has experience at 500 mile oval yeah, races. But it's so we saw this with Kurt Busch. It, it's like going here though. And, and, and Kurt Busch had never driven an Indy car yeah. before that. And he finished sixth. Yeah. You, you're telling me that Jimmy Johnson with a season and a half of Indy car experience and already knows these cars and is on one of the best teams. Um, can't finish better than sixth. I don't think he finishes better than six. If you're asking me if I think I finished in the top 10, I, I don't think he finished in the top 10. You don't wait. So how could Kurt Busch go do that then? Kurt Busch had no IndyCar experience and got a top 10. Jimmy mm-hmm. Johnson is a regular IndyCar driver with mm-hmm. one of the fastest cars. And you don't think he can finish in the top 10? He's I starting think he 12. can. I think he can. I don't think he will. What's going to happen? He's going to crash, or you think he's going to have a bad race? He's going to make a mistake. I, I don't think he finishes the race. Oh, okay. So he's going to make a mistake. He's going to get loose or something and DNF or something like that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's that's a reasonable thing. But I mean, on if okay. So let me put it to you this way: if he doesn't make a mistake on speed alone, on competitive speed alone, alone, absolutely. So he can, like. I mean, where, how far can he go then? I, I think a win. I, I think a win is asking a lot, and of course it is. A win is asking a lot for any anybody. But There's, even going back to 2014 to now, that was you know eight years ago. The depth of the field is much deeper now, I would say, than it was then. And I think there are bona fide. There are many more bona fide guys who can step in and, and do this. Could he do it? Sure. Has he done? I mean, I, we saw what he did at Texas, and him racing in Texas, I think, opened our eyes of, hey, wait a second, maybe this there's some transferable skill set from when you go from NASCAR uh, to IndyCar and an oval, and familiarity's got to count for something. But I just think at the end of the day, there's a lot going on. I, I think this is a huge to go from never from having one competitive IndyCar race in your career. I think that's fair to say one at, at Texas mm-hmm. for going from that to saying, Hey, this guy could win the Indy 500. That's a hell of a big jump. I I'm, I'm going to stay in the camp that I believe that I think anything less than a top five would be almost a disappointment. Okay. Yeah. I really, I, think, I, I, I have high hopes. I, that's fair. I, and to me, I look at it like the goal should be finish the race, finish 500 miles, complete every lap. And if you can do that, you're probably going to have a decent finish. Just that should be the goal, not a hey, let's finish top five. I don't know, man. I think when you have when you're he is he, it's that's that's maybe for a young driver you could say that, but Jimmy Johnson in in almost his late 40s now um, is staring down motorsports immortality, motorsports history. Only two drivers ever have won the Daytona 500. And the Indy 500, AJ Foyt, Mario Andretti, Jimmy Johnson could be known as one of the greatest American race car drivers of any discipline ever. If he's able to win the Indy 500, I mean, that would be an astounding achievement. So to say, well, let's just finish all the laps. Ah, we finished 17th today, but we had a clean race. I don't think that's going to do it. I think, I think he's in this because he's like, of course he is. I can do it. And I think he has the confidence to do it. I mean, look at that save he made, okay? And uh, there was another moment in, in practice, too, that was kind of a close call, I believe. But he made that save today, and and he didn't lose the car. He didn't hit the wall. It was a dicey moment. I'm sure he wished he didn't, you know, he, he got a little bit tricked on the track conditions. But he had a handle on that car, and he recovered. And then he went faster again. You know what I mean? Um, I think he's got... I think he's got a lot of confidence. I think he's quietly thinking I can go, I can go do this. And I think he's got the team around him to do it. So obviously he's got some really strong teammates. I mean, there's a lot of other great drivers in the field too. I mean, probably 20 
20-ish or more drivers think they could win it, and they're probably all right. But I think Jimmy Johnson's one of them, and he's going to have a shot. And it's going to be fascinating to watch that race. I look forward to revisiting this conversation with you a week from today. Well, if we do, a jo- I mean, last time, uh, I don't think we did a, a joint podcast, did we? No, we split it up. You, yeah. you were with Nate, and then I was with Dustin and David in Charlotte. Yeah, well... I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see if it's feasible to do a, uh, one together next week or not. We'll, we'll figure that out later. But anyway, one thing we need to come back to is the <laughs> good race poll, um, for NASCAR. So get this big Joe wall 72 who keeps score for us, uh, pointed out that my guess last week for Kansas, um, was the fifth time this year that I've gotten within one percentage point. I've blown it a few times, but I've had five times that I've almost gotten exactly right. So that has gotten me back into the lead eight to six, but get this. He adds up our total differential tiebreaker that we've missed right through the course of a year. I've missed it by a combined 92.1 percentage points and you've missed it by (laughs) 92.0. So pretty, uh, You're, you're either really on or you're really off. Yeah. Yeah. So now you say that you think it's going to be the lowest ever. Um, I'm not going to factor your guess into mine, uh, but obviously I don't think it's going to have a lot of support in the poll. The lowest ever is 17% or whatever. You want me to give you a number, by the way? Or Well, I go first because I, I won. Okay. And then you, yeah. So um, I, I do think that there's going to be either some contrarians or I don't know something a lot of nascar votes or something to not have it be that bad so for some reason um i think i'm actually going to say like 20 percent. i'm just going to go for an even 20 percent uh that's a good that's a good number that's a really good number oh you were you thinking of doing that yeah it's a really good number but you said it's gonna be the lowest i think it's gonna end up being the lowest but i was trying to Oh, you were hoping I'd go a little higher and give you some. Oh, yeah, room. I was going to couch it a little bit. Um, that's a really, really good number. Um, the hell with it. I was going to go 15%. 15%. Wow, that would be really. I mean, there's been a lot of. Did you watch tonight's race? Did you watch this <laughs> unfold, Jeff? That Brickyard 400. I agree. Was absolutely. And that, all the, that other All Star race, too, was, I think, even worse than. This I'm one. blanking on that. I don't remember it. I just am. Blanking it was like it. absolutely nothing happened at all. Okay. I mean, at least this, this, this at least tire problems that popped and yeah. completely destroyed some of the contenders. I mean, had Kyle Bush tire not gone down, uh, or Kyle Larson or Ross Chastain gotten taken out or chase Elliott. I mean, one of those four could have sure. sworn away with the race. Kyle Bush was dominating. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't, I still don't think it was a good race, of course, but yeah. So 15 for you, 20 for, for me. Woo. That's low. That's low. Uh, I, hope I hope we're not like, watch it be like, uh, in the thirties or something. And, and we're just like, looks like total idiots, but, um, probably not. Anyway, <laughs> any final thoughts for this? Uh, I li- uh, before we go. I would like to say this. I apologize. If if you were like, let's say there's, let's say it is 15% that said it was a good race. Okay. If, if some of those 15% are listening to our podcast or you enjoyed the all-star race and you made it through this podcast and I just spent almost an hour like dumping on something that you enjoyed, I legitimately feel bad about that. And I apologize. I'm sorry. This is how I feel about it. I hate to feel this way. I would have loved to come on here and talk about how it actually worked and how it was a pleasant surprise and how, wow, this is so refreshing and Texas was saved and this format turned out to be good and they should keep this and let's do this again. I don't want to be like down about this or anything. Like, do I want NASCAR to like not succeed or something? How would that benefit me in any way? I'm not like out to get people. I want it to be good. I'm making a living doing this. Why would I want to cover something that is not enjoyable for people to watch? I want to have people 
want to listen to my podcast and everything because they're passionate about it and I'm passionate about it and everything like that. So I don't want to be negative about it, but I also can't lie to people and be like, Oh, it was, Oh, you know what? Oh, it was good. Oh, I think there was some positives. You know what I mean? I can't, I just can't do that. I'm not that kind of person. I, I wouldn't be able to look at myself in the mirror. So I feel bad. Uh, I understand why the people leave comments on a podcast sometimes where it's like, Oh man, it's just a bunch of whiners and, or at least they don't say that about you, me and, uh, you know, negativity. I get that I'm trying, but give me something to work with here. Give me something to work with. That is, uh, better than what we saw tonight. So I hope I didn't ruin your mood by listening to this, but, um, I imagine that other people this week are going to be echoing a lot of what we felt about it. And maybe most of you are too. So there you go. I think this might be the first time. Well, this might be the first time I'm looking forward to Tuesday morning and seeing what the, was it a good race poll is that? <laughs> oh boy. You are a person that likes chaos. Well, we got lots of it tonight. I'm team chaos, baby. But this wasn't chaos though. This was, there's like, I don't know what this was. This wasn't chaos. This was just a lot went wrong. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody, uh, we appreciate you as always for listening. And we will talk to you next time on The Take.